The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When I was a pastor in New Jersey, there was one year after my ordination before I got married to Allison. And during that year, I went into New York City a little more often than we did later on. We didn't live too far from it. You could drive in, you could take Jersey Transit or the PATH train or any other method of transportation. Well, like anybody who's new in an area, you don't really know the cheapest way or the quickest way to get in. So I would start out taking Jersey Transit. And just to give you a picture, we live 35 miles west of Manhattan and a round trip to and from Manhattan cost, I think, $32 back in 2014. Kind of expensive for a day trip, but I did it a few times. There was one day I was going in to meet a friend for dinner, and I had it all planned out. Well, the train will leave about this time. I'll get there with not much time to spare, so I'm not sitting around waiting for the train to go, and I'll go in and I'll get there just in time. Well, it worked out just fine, except I'd never bought a ticket for Jersey Transit before. I got to the train station, walked up to the kiosk, and then looked at all of these different options for commuter this or something that and senior citizen this and tried to figure out what's going on, how do I select what I need to get. And so I'm poking around, reading around, and I finally figure it out, slip my credit card in, pull it out, and the ticket starts to print, to print out. And then five feet away I hear, doo, doo, which means the doors are starting to close and the train is going to leave. So the ticket's coming out, I grab it, and I get around just in time for shh, the doors to close in my face. And like a fool, I tried to pry them open. I'm sure it looked ridiculous to anybody on the outside or inside of the train. Of course, I didn't make it on the train. I had to sit there for another 20 or 30 minutes, I don't remember how long, to get the next train and, of course, be late to meet my friend, and so on and so forth. Now, you all, of course, know the moral of this story for somebody. If you have a young person in your charge or influence, you say, well, when you have an imminent event, something you know is going to happen, namely a train departure, it's best to make sure that you are ready and prepared and have everything set before the hour of the appointed event comes, namely the train leaving. It's good to be prepared. Dear friends, the end is coming. You don't need to wear a sandwich board out on the street for it to be true, and just because some people do it that way doesn't mean it's any less true. This world will come to an end. God's world that he made, he will bring to a close. And that ending, that event, that day when it happens, is an important day, far more important than any sort of life event that we can have, like taking a train into New York City. And it's an important event for everybody. It's not just for Christians. 
Just because we believe that it's going to happen doesn't mean it's going to be true for us and that someone says, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm just going to opt out, opt out of the end times, of the end day, the last judgment. Since I don't believe it, it won't happen. No, of course, that is silly. For all people, the bridegroom will come. Sheep and goats separated into the two eternal camps. And the master of the feast will come and examine to see if the guests that are there are wearing the correct wedding garment, as we spoke of a few weeks ago. And the question is, for this event, are we ready? Are you ready for this important event that is coming and has a final moment where, after that moment, it is too late? There are people that think themselves ready, people that think themselves prepared, but they have sort of a skewed measure by which they think they are ready. They are those that, who think they are, they are good. I'm a good person. I'm a good person, and when the time comes, I will be ready because I'm a good person. I try hard. I'm not perfect, of course, but I try hard to keep God's law, and I've done good enough. There are those who maybe they don't think themselves good necessarily, but they think themselves better. I am better than so many other people. Better than those people over there and that person over there. So when the time comes, I will be ready because I am better than others. And of course, there are those who think they are ready because they know themselves to be shrewd. Well, I'm not ready right now. I don't really believe or have an active trust in God. However, I'm a pretty good talker. I'm a good salesman. I am good at talking my way out of bad situations and talking my way into good situations. And so when the time comes and I meet St. Peter at the pearly gates, I'll haggle with him and I'll get in. Don't you worry about that. But the truth is, people that think this way about that last day, people who think this way about God's judgment are not ready at all. Far from it. They miss the fact, the fundamental fact, the readiness to stand before God and the end times on the last day does not depend upon one's own worthiness, but it depends upon Jesus Christ. In the first lesson that I read this morning from the book of Revelation, John gives us a very beautiful, wondrous vision, doesn't he? After talking about the 144,000 representing the completeness of the tribes of Israel, the sons of Abraham who make it in, he talks about a great multitude that no one can number. And there they are, before the throne and before the Lamb who was slain. But they aren't just there milling about. They aren't there dressed in their regular work clothes or whatever else. They're all they're dressed the same, dressed in white robes. Robes that he says have been washed clean and pure through the blood of the Lamb. Those people there on that last day of that beautiful vision, those that no longer have tears in their eyes, those who are no longer stricken by the sun or the hardships of this life and world, are ever before the Lamb who is their shepherd, and they're properly attired, dressed for the occasion. Just as Adam and Eve were properly attired by God himself before they were cast out of Eden with the skins of animals, innocent covering up the guilty, as we've talked about in our Bible classes, just as they were attired by God, so too is that great host before the Lamb properly attired in blood-washed robes of the innocent one, the Lamb. 
And in that, they were worthy. In that attire that they had, those robes, cleansed with bloods, they were prepared for that great event and that marvelous day. The question, of course, is, when and how is this done? Are those robes given to the host that stands before the throne and the Lamb? Are they given when they get there? Kind of like you go to a five-year-old's birthday party, you arrive at the house, and the father's there handing out little cardboard birthday hats, pointy ones to hand on your head. Here you go. Welcome to the party. Here's your hat. Welcome to the throne and the lamb. Here is your white robe for you to wear. I'll take your coat. Here's the robe. No, it does not happen there. They are not given them there at that last day, but rather those robes washed with the blood of Jesus Christ are given here and now, in this life, in this time, and in this place. Those robes are given to us, given to the church, through what we witness today, holy baptism. We all know what baptism looks and sounds like. We were blessed this morning that the baby didn't cry. God be praised. A lot of pressure, Heather. Uh, The baby didn't cry, but we know what it looks and sounds like. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you move on with the service. But sometimes we just sort of forget what baptism is and does, the power and the force, the depths and the riches that are there with what God is doing in that water and word. We know, first of all, that the name of God is put on us. I always like the image. If you grew up on Toy Story, I think I've used it before, the movie Toy Story, Woody has the name Andy written on his boot on the bottom of his human owner. Well, God writes Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on us when we're baptized and we belong to him. Also in baptism, Paul tells the church in Rome that we're buried with Christ. Romans chapter 6. In baptism, we are buried with Christ. And our sins are forgiven. We learn in Acts. But also there is this, this, an apropos for today. In holy baptism, we are washed. In holy baptism, we are clothed. We are washed with Christ. We are clothed with him. Listen to this passage from Titus chapter 3. Familiar words from the small catechism on baptism. Paul says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. He saved us. Not by, because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by faith, by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And he says it a little more succinctly when he's talking to the Galatians, and he has to get more to the point with them because they're a little more confused than Titus. Galatians 3, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you are baptized, you've put on Christ. He's yours. He's covering you up as though it was a garment. Far more greater, far more much fabric as it were and covered, far whiter than the vestments that a pastor wears. The language is clear as day. Holy baptism does something magnificent. It does something wonderful. It does something beautiful. And its power and work is undeniable. 
if you read the Holy Scriptures, I kind of scratch my head because there's a lot of people who aren't Lutherans who read the book of Revelation and they take things that are obviously figurative like a thousand years or seven years and this many days or this many horns on a beast or this many eyes, things that are obviously meant to be taken figuratively and they say those are literal but all of this language about baptism which saves you, forgives you, clothes with Christ, buries you, gives you God's name, washes and renews you, that's figurative they say. But that's another sermon for a different time. To be baptized, quite simply, according to God's word, is to, among all those other things, to be washed and clothed with Jesus Christ. And for our purposes today on All Saints Sunday, it prepares you, makes you ready, for that day when the great host stands before God and the Lamb. So dear friends, today my exhortation is simple. I want you to look forward to the end, whether it comes in our lifetime or it comes long after we've fallen asleep in the Lord. You who are baptized and believe in Jesus Christ are absolutely, 100%, ready for that day to come. You're not going to the area where you get the tickets without having gotten one. You got it at home. You just need to go there. You're already there, ready to go. You're already on the train, even. You are not just saints in the future, but you are saints in Christ's holy Christian church now. Holy, not because of yourself, but because of Jesus, who has washed you and clothed you with himself. To the same Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise now and forever. Amen.